Today, we devote the next half hour to theology. And a little something extra you didn't expect. This is Lanyap Theology. Welcome to Lanyap Theology. I'm Dr. Dave Delia from the University of Holy Cross. I'm Professor Todd Amick. And we are in our final episode of Season 3, and it's been a whirlwind. How we could have spent seven and a half hours on one word. And if you've stuck with us through this season, all I can say is if we could give you a medal through the airwaves, we would, but just go for a degree. Fun. We'll just give you a degree. Yes, you, you, you get a certificate, <laughs> get it on parchment paper, say, listener to Lanyap Theology 2018, <laughs> because guess what? You have really, I think, endured a class or actually a hybrid of classes that we're actually, we are teaching. Right. Next to being at University of Holy Cross, which you're always invited to come to and study with us, this is about as good as it gets. Right. And if you've missed any episodes, please know, go to the search engine on your podcast, whatever you use, type in Lanyap Theology, and the Lanyap Theology icon will pop up, and you can listen to seasons one, two, or season three. Now what we're going to do is we're going to transition to kind of where we left off in the last episode. We had reviewed the the principles that help us to understand how, when we say God is love, God is caritas, we can also say that love is eros. It is a, a love that is yearning. God yearns in a very qualified sense for his creation, not for his own good or his own sake, but for the sake of us who have need, that God desires a communio, a communion, and he desires us to be a part of that communion and also then to yearn for all the rest of creation. And we kind of talked about this earlier in the four key relations that all of us experiences. The first is the relation between God and me, the person. The second is between me and other persons, especially the male-female relationship, man and wife, and the unique expression that that has. The third is my, my, ex, my experience in my relationship with myself, as opposed to alienation, being truly present to myself. And the fourth is that I recognize myself as part of being, as part of all of creation, and with an integral unity, a communio, amongst this. When we look at Scripture, we see these are four relationships that have been undone, or at least harmed, as a result of the fall. And yet it is eros in agape, where God draws us then back into relationship and invites us as part of his love, his caritas, his eros, his agape, to then be in union with the rest of creation until, and as Benedict notes in Deus Caritas Est, until God, who is love, is all in all. Right. And um, with these principles, you know, what, what are issues that, because we were talking kind of in the break Prior to the show, um, you know, we see certain of these issues arise with our friends mm-hmm. and with our students. When and, you get that, that phone call That's from right. a friend that you've known, a, mar- a friend who's been married for 25 years, and you get a very disturbing phone call. That's right. Right. And, um, you know, I was thinking about a friend of mine who was talking to me about, you know, whether she should be a mom or not. And she was saying that, you know, her life growing up 
was rough and her folks were very hard on her. And her biggest fear for having a child was, am I going to be that to my kid because I don't want to be that person? And, and I said to her, I've seen her interact with children. And I said to her, I said, have no doubt that it'll show up in, on certain days when you're tired, when you're this and when you're that. When you're weak. But I can, sit, I can tell you from just casually observing you that you're going to be a great mom, that you love children. You really have an authentic love for children, and you have a love that's even deeper than you understand right now. Because this woman is extremely smart, uh, extreme, I mean, you know, uh, working, on, working towards a PhD, wondering if her life will be looking at kind of international law and justice and human rights and all these things. And, uh, it, but I asked her, I said, is, is that you? Is that, is that going to define you? Is that going to be who you are? Is that your greatest joy? Is that your greatest joy? And, and what she said was so telling. She said, actually, if I didn't do it, it would be okay. Wow, that's freedom. But I, but I fear being a parent, but I could tell what she was saying underneath it was, that's what I really wanted. Deepest desire of my, my heart. My deepest desire. My eros is mommy. Right. And, and, and because she knows what it is like to have a child come up and run and hug and just throw their arms around your neck. And, and she, in other words, but, you know, she has this kind of professionalized mind that, you know, women are, women must be the best. Women must be this. And then she has this other side of her that is saying, but this is so great. And, and I was trying to explain to her, we were talking about kind of natural goods uh, versus personal goods versus cultural goods. And, and these three kind of how they interrelate. And I said, what you experienced here was just simply a natural good. And I said, nature, there's a great, um, there's a great line from Horace, um, the, uh, the, the Roman poet who, um, I mean, I could say it in Latin, but that would be obnoxious. It, but it, it, his phrase is, um, nature, uh, you can expel nature with a pitchfork, but it always comes back. And what he means by that is we, we try so hard culturally to get rid of what our nature is. We try so hard personally to deny who or what we are. But it always comes, it always arrives. And it shows us, sometimes it can show us very bad things, but it can show us very beautiful things that blow through cultural constructs, that blow through personal blocks. And what I was trying to tell her is just let those natural goods be there. Like you don't have to, you don't have to uh, kind of try to push them down or block them out. Allow that peace to be there in your life. Right. And I think something that you said certainly brings us into this, this understanding of divine eros and agape, which is that agape would say um, that I, I, I seek your exclusive good. Right, and sometimes we we think of that in kind of a very generalized sense, like oh, I just have kind of a well wish for everybody. What eros does is it it forces us to to kind of say what you said, which is that as part of your discernment, I have seen you, right? Not some generalized person, not some principle. I have seen you, right. and I've seen the dynamic that that speaks of what it is to be mother, what it is to love in agape and eros as mother, and moms show a beautiful eros. I mean, there's an intimacy where the kids run. You know, I know 
you know, if, if either of my daughters get hurt, they will literally run past me to get to mommy. Right. You know, and because she is comfort. She right. is that intimacy. I mean, if, if she's working, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a second, but I'm a distant second. <laughs> right, right. You know, right. I'm protection, I'm security, but she is comfort. Right. And so what we see is that, that the God who is eros and agape, you know, these, these are not principles. This is God's action revealing God's being, and it's made present in Christ, which has, as you mentioned in the last two examples, profound consequences for human life, which is also human love. Right. So, so we see that in Christ, Christ actually becomes the flesh and blood realization of God's eros and God's agape. God gives himself in Jesus Christ as this, this oblation, as this gift, as the new manna that enters us then into this incorporation where, where what Christ does becomes what we do. Christ, who doesn't just love but is love, invites us to become that love. Christ gives us the Eucharist so that his love is present with us. This is the life of the church, but also so that in receiving this love, we can be then as love to the world. And then we see kind of how we're able to answer some of the tough things, like where, where God tells us in Christ, you are commanded, right, to love one another. It's not just enough to love God. You have to love one another. Well, how can we command love then? Right. You know, and that brings us into the dimension of human love. Well, if love is merely a feeling, then of course it can't be commanded. You can't, you know, command me to feel a certain way. Right. Feel sad right now. Exactly. Can't happen. I told uh, a a Protestant friend of mine who was a wonderful example of a a husband and father that was kind of my mentor in in law. Um, His sons, he he would try to address uh, kind of emotions and attitude before he would address actions. And he would ask them, do you have a happy heart? And if the answer was no, then he would address them, you know, change things, what have you. I began to do that with my daughters uh, when they were very young. And then I realized I can't say, do you have a happy heart? Because they really can't control that. What I can say is, do you have a grateful heart? Mm. And so they, they would say, um, you know, oftentimes, yes, daddy, I do, or no, I don't. And then they would open their mouths as wide as possible so I could actually see, because <laughs> of course they thought I could see that grateful heart there. Well, incorporated in Christ, we are then invited to be able to love as God loves. And the reason we're able to do that is not just because of agape, but because God has drawn near to us. God gives us God's love who is God, which then invites us into this dynamic where, where we can say, where God can say, you are to love because we now have that love because we are in an eros relationship with God and can therefore extend that to others as well. Right, and, and, and basically what you're talking about is, is a grace. It's a, it's, a, it's a special grace from God. It's God's presence or is, is indwelling within us. To be able to go out and especially, I think, manifest this, especially the person I was talking with about, you know, that um, talking about motherhood, um, is she's not a Christian. And, um, you know, one of the things that I think love opens you to is um, meeting and coming into contact with others who are not uh, the same um, religious background or, or whatever, but you're able to, in a sense, because you've been given the grace of love, to not simply seek your own community, not to simply seek uh, those who you're most comfortable with, who you see every Sunday or, um, you know, at uh, you know the, the guy's night at church or whatever, but you're able to kind of bring this into the world with others who are not 
who don't see that, who don't have that. And in, in, in your own way, you see communion, as you said something about earlier, I'm not about to just uh, kind of, you know, list off some principles to you about uh, here's what agape and eros are. I'm just going to talk to you on your level, but I know behind what I'm doing, the intention is loving communion. And so when, when I had this conversation, I couldn't get into doctrine and... and uh, Nature and grace and all these elements. No, right, it, right. It, but it, it's saying, you know, trust yourself, you're going to be a good mom. Right. You know, and, and I, it was weird because I think at that point in time, that's what she needed to hear. Someone, and, I, and this goes back to what you were talking about with relationality. You know, I did say to her, I said, you know, there's two ways we know ourselves, one through self-reflection, but actually that can be very dangerous because you could end up being deluded and, and see yourself in a, in a false light. I said, a, a very sure way of knowing yourself is actually knowing what people say to you in relation. Especially those that love. have that intimacy. That's right. right. Like you said, if it's said in love. Right. So, um, you know, we're going to touch on this and, and really finish up things uh, on, the, on the other side of the break. Um, and, and wrap up our season on what person and especially the, the love dimension that we've been bringing out in the last couple episodes. We'll see you on the other end. Hello, friends of Catholic Community Radio. This is Dr. Dave Delio from the University of Holy Cross. I wanted to take a moment to tell you about some exciting opportunities to study theology at the largest undergraduate program in the region. We offer a bachelor's degree in theology with a minor in philosophy or a concentration in religious education. We also offer a Master of Arts in Catholic Theology designed for those who want to build the domestic church or to incorporate theology into their professional lives. Our classes are available both in person and online. We believe theology is done best face-to-face and at your own pace. Our programs not only offer Catholic truth, but prepare you to serve the church, your family, or pursue a variety of careers. If you have any questions, please visit our website at uhcno.edu. If you would like to contact me, please call 504-398-2122 or email me at ddelio at uhcno.edu. We are back Episode 13, second half, closing in on the Holy Grail of Season 3. Understanding the human person in light of the experience of love. Yes, and um, so we wanted to, to, to bring some of these these things out to kind of conclude the conclude the season on a, on a really high note. Yeah, and so we, we see that it is God's love and communion with God and Eros that allows us to be love to others. Right. Also allows us to, to love ourselves, to be That's in relation, right. all the elements that we've discussed here, and to be able to, to experience, and this in the life of the church, all the ways that God is visible to us, especially in those whose lives are, are profound witnesses to the communion they share because they love as they do. Right. You know, we, we certainly in the tradition call them saints, but, but these are not just canonized saints, but people whose expression of love, whose encounter of love reveals to us in such a dynamic way that, that this is what it means to be human and inspires us, therefore, to be more fully human, to experience God's love in a more profound way. And um, the thing that I was thinking about or, or what we were reflecting on earlier is just kind of what we were seeing in different relationships and in different people and different struggles, uh, struggles that I've had on my own, you know, um, and 
it, there is something that, and I, I may have said this in an earlier episode, but when I was kind of coming back to the church 20 years ago, I read um, this philosopher of religion named Houston Smith who made this claim that he said, you know, the consensus out there is, you know, there are different religious traditions. Um, some seek enlightenment, some seek obedience. And he said what was unique about the Christian tradition, it is it was the religion of love. And I don't know why, but I never remember where I was reading it when I read that, that I just was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Like, that's what I want to know. Yeah. How do we forget that, though? Right. Like, this seems surprising to me. Right. But how do we keep forgetting that we don't really know love as we know it, certainly in the Western tradition, but but even close without God revealing that love to us? Right. You know, what can happen is that, that our experience of human love, some elements of which can be beautiful and wonderful and virtuous, some elements of which can be, you know, uh, uh, missing, deprived, and even corrupt, you know, that, that when this is, is perfected, it's perfected in light of not only the ideal of the love that God has revealed, but also through relationship with the God who says, I am going to, through Eros, be in relation with you while you are yet sinners— and allow for my love to become your love so that your, your being actually it becomes perfected where, where all these sinful things, all these privations, all these lacks of love get burned off until we become a more uh, complete image of the God who is love. That's right. And, you know, one of the things that we want to, we, we also want to kind of focus on is love is, we kind of established, is not a feeling. Nor is it simply... Um, you know, it can't be reduced only because of who we are to our um, our spiritual intentions. And it's not meant to. It's right. meant to encompass the whole person, which right. includes the feelings. And the which, if you include feelings, you have to include the body. Right. right. So in other words, when we say we love ourselves, it's not simply an inner spiritual reflection of like, you know, whatever I say is my inner me. I want what's best for me or whatever I desire. Right. It right. is literally the whole of you, which includes your body. And so, because, you know, unlike other philosophical or religious traditions that would see kind of the body as a prison or a tomb, you know, and we've talked, we've talked about this in, in earlier this season. Body and soul, right. That uh, the body is good. Even though it is uh, corruptible and, and it can, you know, you can lose a finger or a limb and still live. Um, nevertheless, what's uh, the mystery about that is God affirmed it was good. And even in the fall um, uh, in, in Genesis that describes the kind of the fall where God imposes the sentence of death because of sin. Or the natural consequence of sin. Right. That was the consequence of sin. He makes it clear. That, in other words... Um, it's still worthy of affirming that he never said, and therefore the body is evil and matter is evil and the world is evil. Um, Go be a spirit. That's it. Go be a spirit. Right. You know, and we talked about this in earlier episodes that, you know, heaven is, heaven is a bodily, going to be a bodily existence. You're not going to be an angel, which is just a pure spirit. We never were, we never are. So how we are with our bodies and how we see our bodies, how we interact in the world in love through our bodies is the only way love can actually be expressed. 
Right. And, and I think this is a great segue into what's going to really put a, a nice tight cap on our analysis of love, thus our understanding of the person, is that we often associate our desires, one of which is eros, is desire for union with the other, with the body. And yet, if we allow that eros to be deprived, then, then that eros never becomes agape, and something very serious happens. If my desires don't perfect in agape— then not only do I lose the agape dimension, and even my desires for myself, I not only lose agape, but I also eventually lose eros. What I'm drawn to, and, and, and many of us probably know, know or have friends that are in relationships, and they exhaust one, exhaust another, exhaust yeah. that seeking, seeking, seeking. The serial dater. Yes, yes, right. um, and, and sometimes worse, right? Right. Um, as opposed to realizing that, that this desire that I have is good and real and true, I have to then allow it to become to grow and to mature, not to destroy Eros, but to perfect it in as much as this desire for union then takes on the form of a desire for the good of the other, which does not diminish our Eros, but it actually perfects it. It's how we can have also friends on on kind of the other side there where they've been married for 40 years and we realize, you know what, they're more in love, and I use the term in love, the way God is in love with us. They are more in love today than they were back in the day. Yeah, and I would also say that uh, there are people who you see 40 years down the road who uh, have become kind of ghosts to each other, that their you know, their, their marriages can sometimes be these non-existent, like their partnerships. And I, and I see that with some friends of mine, too, who are older than, my, than, who are older than me. And uh, so in other words, their ship's passing in the night. And part of it is, is um, as you were saying, that if agape dries up, eros dries up. And and in other words, that eros is always going to drive us towards seeking the good for the other. Right. But it's going to first seek the union with the other so that therefore I can give all of me. Right. And there comes points in time, I think in every marriage, where there's times where you want to just withdraw and you want to be yourself and you want to just, you know, um, you see it, you know, I've told a lot of my friends uh, watch out for the 40s because the 40s is when you get that kind of like you're looking down the end of life is coming up faster than you thought than the beginning but you're not that so far away from the 20s where you've forgotten it right and so there's that one last urge you know like the it's the the midlife crisis thing or the guy goes buys the Porsche or the mm-hmm. you know the affair happens the, the these bad things happen that I've watched in 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 friends lives and they are, in a sense, um, it's because they have forgotten these love dimensions. Like, what what initially brought you there? What sustained it? What's missing? Right. And um, and I've had to have some real heart-to-hearts with friends and, and others about these types of things. Which certainly affirms to us, you know, the, the, the integrity of love. And what I would highlight is not only if we lose agape, do we, do we also, which is this gift love, do we also lose eros, which is this self-filling love? But if we lose eros, right, in the dimension that we've, we've explained it here, if we lose eros, then we also eventually lose agape. Because right. we are made for communion. If I, in a very sterile way, tell anyone with whom I'm in relation, I desire the best for you, not because of what you are or who you are, but just kind of as a generic thing, the answer is, well, then you're not loving me. 
you need to begin with an affirmation, not just of what I am in being, but specifically, I am a person. When you say you love me, you need to contemplate me, which means eros, because me means that we are in relation. And it's not only the relation on the horizontal dimension, us as human person to human person, but because God's eros, God's agape, God who is caritas is drawn near, my relationship with God means that I now have an agape and an eros such that I can be in more intimate communio with everyone else. And, and an interesting thing kind of comes from that. It allows for agape to determine what our eros should look like. The eros we have between husband and wife has a particular expression that we see in the Song of Songs, right? That we experience in the beauty of marriage. It's why people can look across a room and say, they're honeymoons. They're honeymooners. Right. My folks were on their, their honeymoon. My dad was on R&R from Vietnam. My mom is a co-ed from New Orleans in um, um, having dinner. And a woman came over and, and told them, in a certain sense, I see you're in love. I'm buying your dinner. It was the woman who was the actress from A Nun's Tale. Wow. A Nun's Story, yeah, who later, she was in Hawaii at the time. and did, We see that, we know that. But our, our Eros finds expression in agape. What is Eros for children? Well, it certainly is different from husband and wife. It's certainly different from friend. It's an expression of drawing the other to oneself in an intimacy, just, just like holding somebody and saying, like, I could hold you forever. Right. And yet the Eros that we have for our children Eros results in communion, takes the expression of, I'm in a paradoxical way preparing you to a certain extent to be free from me, because your agape means that this Eros takes the expression that eventually you'll go off. So part of this union is my preparing you for a spiritual union, because that's the best. Agape determines what Eros is. And we see that in a lot of the kind of the contemporary challenges and questions about the unity of body and soul that we have. You know, a lot of people saying, you know, there's confusion about, you know, the, the, the body and soul in somebody, and as opposed to appreciating the unique sex, the unique gender that someone is. And yet it's this, this appreciation of, of eros for oneself in the integrity of what one is in agape that helps us to understand what that unity really looks like. And, you know, it, what it, it also touches on just kind of what love looks like for us, what it looks like for a human person. Um, and and you, were, you were touching on these themes, but just the knowing the other person as well as you can without kind of kind of saying, I, I know you, I, we're good. Check the block, right. It's that you're embracing them in all their brokenness and they're embracing you too. That in a sense, that's what God's doing with us. In other words, that love, it, we're not talking about simply rain, rainbows and puppy dogs and cotton candy. That real love, it, it, there's a hardness to it because to you to create union, and then to give oneself, you have to recognize in that moment, no unity in this world is perfect between pers- between human to human, person to person, um, because there's a brokenness, there's a fallenness in all of us. Nor is my giving out going to ever be perfect. And in a sense, that what we what we realize is, especially in marriages and and in relationships, when you draw close and there's barbs and there's there's electricity and there's you know sometimes great stuff and sometimes hard stuff. It makes us have to return to God and say, you know, 
I see this brokenness now in relationship. Heal it. Bring it together. Right, which is the integrity of eros and agape, which is caritas, which gives us the strength to forgive. Right. An essential element of what it is to be a human person. Well, we are, uh, we are coming up to the hard break of the last episode of season three with Lanyap Theology, and it has been a wild ride, um, and it's been a lot of fun. So um, any last parting words? Professor Amick? I would say that, that, that we ought to seek the God who is love so that we can become love in this world until he is all in all and we become who we are ought to be. And there it is. We are Lanyap Theology. I am Dr. Dave Delio from the University of Holy Cross. I am Professor Todd Amick. And we will see you again. Lanyap Theology is a production of Catholic Community Radio.